Hi everyone, Matthew here. I thought I'd add a quick segment to this episode before it started, just explaining that since I'm having every episode release on a Friday, this specific episode, episode 3, it does release on Christmas Day, so all I just want to say is I hope you're all having a fantastic Christmas, in that, I don't know, maybe you're listening to it while you're in like a food coma because you've like inhaled a full Christmas dinner or some shit, but anyway, I hope you're having a fantastic Christmas, and yeah, I hope you have a good one, and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the For Real Podcast. The show that discusses music, film, and most importantly, furries. Now on to the third episode today, I have a, a person from my land, you know, the a British furry. I'm joined British. with uh, you know, you know, British. Uh, <laughs> I'm joined with music producer and artist 33XTC. Uh, hello. hello. Yeah, welcome How to the doing? show. Yeah, I'm I'm good, thank you very much. How have you thank been? You. Yeah, I'm decent. I've just literally for Christmas just moved back to my parents' house mm-hmm. uh, for the Christmas break. So I'm in this like attic at the moment, but oh. it's pretty cold. But uh, I'm I'm ready to do a podcast. That's like my dream, though. Like I don't know, it's w- w- weird to bring up, but an attic room is like my dream room. Like I don't know, it's just so spacious really? and homely and cozy. I don't know. My friend has an attic room, and whenever I go around uh, his house, or at least when I least used to before like COVID and shit. It's just like mm. massive and it's just like so cool. I don't know. I like the low roof kind of shit. It's dope. Yeah. yeah. Mine's is like in the, my parents' back garden. It's like an annex. So it's cold as fuck and there's so many like spiders and shit. And I, I have like a phobia of insects. That's pretty bad for me. Um, oh, but like shit, okay. for focusing on like on music and art, it's like great. Just being That's nice. Yeah. Out of the way. Yeah. Well, I had a, I had a scare. Well, I didn't have a scare this morning, but I was talking to you about this because I was like, should we delay? Because we meant to record earlier today. But then you were busy, and then also I had an issue because basically, right, I bought a takeaway last night, right, and I have an allergy to egg, okay, but egg, I, yeah, egg, yeah. What? That's cr- that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I've got an allergy to egg, right? So, and I get ripped on it. I get ripped to fuck by my mate about yeah, it. But sorry. anyway, right, obviously, sorry about that. right? No, it's fine. Right, okay. So, <laughs> so I am. Um, I buy this like chicken box whatever meal thing from like a chicken takeaway mm-hmm. and it's like a really good deal and it's like it includes like a, this fillet burger or whatever and I'm like right surely it won't have any sauces on it because usually they just complain that like add your own sauces so I didn't think I had a note mm-hmm. then it arrived and it had mayo all over it and I was oh, like and mayo is like half egg it's just yeah. egg and vinegar and I was it? like yeah and I was like you know what though I don't want to waste this so, like, I spent, like, a good 20 minutes just, like, trying to scrape as much off as possible, but I don't think it worked. <laughs> but I think when it comes to, like, um, my allergies and, like, allergies in general, usually they kind of deteriorate, like, the older you get. Because, like, mm. it used to be way worse when I was little, but now it's just, like, I just have an upset stomach. I just So, this morning my stomach killed, and I was like, oh, shit, I'm meant to be recording today as well. But luckily it was, um, it was not too bad. It was fine. I, I'm, I'm okay now. So, yeah. Um, that's good to hear at least we rescheduled or else you'd be in like pain for the entire like hour oh yeah no fuck that um (laughs) so i'm i'm stuck here until like christmas eve which sucks because that's how long my like work stuff lasts until no way yeah so well i mean my last shift's like late at night on the 23rd so like i'm stuck it's like one of those like classic american like instead of the dad is is the dad gonna make it home for christmas it's like am i gonna (laughs) make it home for christmas to see my family (laughs) now i'll be fine but like and then also that's, late. Yeah, that's super late yes yeah, so, and then i go back to work like the day after um the day after new year's day and it's like a really early start so um i'm, I'm not gonna be able to get a train home though i'm not because the trains are all gonna be off on on new year's day so i'm gonna have to find a way to get get down probably have to drive down you have to walk dude oh bro to- walk <laughs> like walk like like 10 hours take me ages <laughs> That'd be easy overnight. Just walk oh, like yeah. ten hours. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. If you bike, that would take like five hours. Oh my god! It's just like, through like dark it's roads, like those and, like, things the that, countryside. Yeah, it's like those things people do for like charity, where they like bike all the way up and down the entire country. So like, I don't know yeah. like, how you can do that. Like I can't even fucking like walk downstairs without tired <laughs> <entire> dog. <laughs> I know actually... people who smoke like when like people who smoke cigarettes mm-hmm. like even just for a year like trying to use like the stairs in Tesco like people are out of breath like 19 years old like dude you should yeah. uh, do some cardio or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have asthma, but then it's not really major asthma, but I still mm. get really like wheezy. Anyway, besides the point. Welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Let's have a bit of a talk Thank about you. um the kind of shit you make. So. 
What do you want to start with? Do you want to go with like your illustration stuff first, or do you want to go with your music stuff? Yeah, um, I think it'd probably be more productive and more like efficient if we talk about the illustration first, mm-hmm. because like I've I've been like illustrating or drawing at least for a couple of years, and I only really started putting out music like this year. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a lot more to talk about if we talk about the uh, the art side of things. Okay, let's start with the art then. So when I first looked at your Twitter, when I was um you know, choosing who's going to be on the show. I really like some of your Beastars stuff. Is that kind of like how you started drawing furry art? Or have you been drawing like furry kind of ish art for a while now? Like, how did you kind uh... of, because you were telling me that you don't have a sonar and stuff, but mm-hmm. anthropomorphic art and anthropomorphic characters is something that you kind of like draw a lot or sketch a lot. So what's your kind of, you know, relation with the community and stuff? Well, it's kind of weird. Like, um, I've, kind of been drawing my whole life like when i was a kid i did like stick figures and stuff Mm -hmm. um and i've always liked like anthro characters and cartoons um but i never actually really started getting into doing like specifically furry art probably until around 2015 um which is just i think the thing that got me into furry art was actually undertale oh okay yes that's fair yeah I, th- I think there was, there was a big, like, cultural shift, in my opinion. Um, like, furries were kind of seen as this thing. It was, like, a really weird, like, subculture. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, you had things coming out. Like, there was Five Nights at Freddy's. I think mm-hmm. it was around 2015, the first yeah. one. Um, Undertale. And I noticed there was, I, like, at least from my perception, there was, like, an entire new generation of furries, like, coming from, like, these weird, like, internet circles. They now seem like normal people, almost, and using mm-hmm. sites like Twitter instead of, like, uh, Fur Affinity or whatever. Stuff, yeah. yeah, because before that, I actually, like, hated furries. I was, like, one of those really, <laughs> like, outwardly vocal, like, yeah. furry haters. And mm-hmm. I think it was just, um, like, like a projection, almost. Mm-hmm. And um, I-, I remember getting into Undertale and being like, dude, this is just cool as fuck. Yeah. Uh, and I-, I never really drew Undertale. I-, I think I started out drawing Star Fox, but... Um, Mainly, mainly, I just draw fan art. That's why I don't have a sonar. I like, I like drawing characters that other people have designed and like uh, other people have created the context for. If that makes sense. No, yeah, I, I definitely get that. Um, I think I was similar because I made a sonar when I was like sixteen, but it was like a oh, joke. Really? It was like a joke sonar. Like it was a dumbass <laughs> like sketch I did, or it was like a dumbass like stupid thing that I like kind of when I was 15 I like fucking traced or something I didn't share it yeah, or anything yeah. because it was fucking stolen art so like I didn't I just went like oh this dog looks fucking cool I'm gonna like give it blonde hair and like make it <laughs> make it wear a supreme bogo so I did and then um I put like his name is Danny on the top of it and I was like yo that kind of like kind of rocks and I kept it <laughs> and like that was the only thing I did though and then I kept that that was like when I was 15 16 and then uh, I was just like no nah, I'm not a fairy though and then when I came to uni I was like you know what, like, I, I've been, like, kind of watching from the sidelines for a while. And mm-hmm. then I was like, you know, you know what, like, I fuck with this shit. Like, it's it's so cool. So I was, like, similar where I would, like, engage in, like, anthropomorphic media. But I wouldn't have, like, mm-hmm. my own sonar. Like, I mean, I don't really have that big connection with my sonar. Like, I, a lot of people have, like, a massive... I think I was talking about this in one, one of the other episodes. Like, some people have, like, massive, massive backstories on, like, oh, yeah. why, they are, why their character's like this or whatever. But I'm just, like... I just like anthropomorphic characters and I have a dog that I can make wear fashion and <laughs> be like engaged with like different music albums I like is something yeah. I really enjoy. So it's just a way of me expressing that, I guess, expressing all three of those interests in like one thing, which is like getting commissions with it. So yeah. Mm. And it, well, it feels personal too. Mm-hmm. To like have a character that you design and feel like relates directly to you is probably uh, fulfilling in some sort of way. Do you think you'll ever like have a sonar or do you think you'll get have time to make a sonar or you're not that bothered i've tried before in the past but i always i always change species depending on like characters i'm really into at the time yeah um so the last time the last time i tried to create a sonar was pretty like early this year and um i tried to make a sheep character oh, based dope. off pina from beastars oh, that's um before that it was like a deer like raccoon wolf stuff like that mm-hmm. but um it's never anything i i feel attached to mm-hmm. um or not the same way I feel attached to, like, characters that already exist. Like, of a moment, I mean, like like you mentioned earlier, I was really fixated on Beastars. I really liked the Beastars yeah. characters and universe. Um, of a moment, I'm really into Animaniacs. Um, oh, that's sick. I, I haven't... I, yeah. it, they've just had a new, like, reboot show, haven't they? I haven't yeah, seen it. Reboot. Is it good? I haven't watched it either. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the character design and the characterization, I just... I think it's so fucking cool. Mm. I love the designs of the characters. It's really creative and expressive. Um, so I just, like like drawing them like that's what i mean like when i see a character in a different context 
um, that somebody else has written dialogue and a backstory for and voiced, I feel more of a connection to that than a character that I could create myself, if that yeah. makes sense. No, it, and I guess it'll feel nice that you can kind of contribute to their, well, it's not like contributing to their backstory or anything, but contributing to their kind of like art in the kind of yeah, yeah. Re- representation of their character in different forms of like art styles and stuff, which is really nice, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the only thing I had with Animaniacs was, I I don't know why I remember this, but I had the Game Boy Advance game. I must have bought it from like, <laughs> can you, dog, can you remember like Granger Games before it went bankrupt? Did you ever have? Oh no, I'm, I'm younger than you, dude. Oh, so, I mean, only by a year, but no, I don't remember that. No, well, the well, it's like it's like in the like in the in the north north. There used to be the shop called Granger Games, and like mm. I remember I bought it there, and um, I I just I remember it being so weird. I was like, what are these like little like mouse things, dog? I was like, I was like, <laughs> I was like twelve. I was like, what is this? But I just picked it up randomly, probably because I was like, ooh. Fairy characters, I'll buy that. Yeah, <laughs> but I, no, did, I didn't even know it was an Animaniacs game. That's crazy. Yeah, so you say the Game Boy Advance. Yeah, Game Boy Advance. I think there's a few others as well because it was weird because I saw the reboot was on there and I was like, I swear I had a game of these characters. And then I looked mm. it up and I was like, oh shit, yeah, I used to. And that's like so weird to look at now. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. But what were you saying before? Can you remember? <laughs> um, I was gonna say it's funny that you mentioned tracing because the very very first furry art I made, I learned to draw furries by tracing. Mm-hmm. I um there's an artist I really like the first furry artist I proper got into was called uh X Nero X. Okay. Uh, I didn't I don't know I don't follow them anymore. Um like no disrespect or anything, but, but like they I just I'm not mm-hmm. really interested yeah. in their work anymore. Mm-hmm. Um but it was a big driving inspirational factor for me then and i used to trace their drawings they did of uh five nights at freddy's that's so cool. um foxy i did a lot of drawings yeah. of foxy and then um i just started after i got a bit of confidence built up i started doing my own my own i mean stuff. when it comes to tracing like i i know there's like loads of different controversy on it and loads of different opinions i think obviously if you trace somebody else's art and you upload it that's like that's fucked like don't do that that's like really bad but if you're tracing something to kind of learn how to use like a drawing tablet or if you're learning how to draw a specific furry like that's fine as long as you're not sharing that like as long as that only stays on your hard drive and doesn't be you don't share that to the internet and say this is mine like that i would say that's like acceptable to me but i know other people like say it isn't the right way to go in terms of like testing control like when i uh reference that um kind of dog character i saw ages ago um i literally kept it on my hard drive and like left it and it was just a cool funny i was like i want to draw this dog in a supreme burger that's literally it and i did it and it was funny and uh yeah but i wouldn't upload that and say that's mine you know and i think i looked at the person who i like um who i like you know reference from and like i don't even think they own the character anymore i can't find any art at all of that character anymore so i'm like well i guess it doesn't really matter anymore since yeah, it's not a character yeah. that right, exists but on the topic of you um, having different animal, you know, cape switching species, I've always kind of wanted to make a deer sona. Because first of all, I love deers. I think like deer sonas like dope as fuck. And secondly, yeah. like I love Dan. But first of all, Dan is like, he's very obnoxious. It, this is like kind of my buck story. But like Dan is like me if I was more confident. Okay. Um, I think it's kind of like a lot of fairies do a lot of kind of, sonas that are more confident and it kind of like get like it's like where people wear fursuits and stuff at conventions and start like being their character because it makes them more confident it's like a separation from who they are in real life i don't Mm. think that it's like that to the extent with me but it's at least like i can think and look at dan i'd be like yeah that is dan if i had more confidence and i was more obnoxious but there is also a side to me that's more you know reserved and chill and i think that's something i want to be representing my dear sona and then also, like, recently I've been using they, he pronouns and it's been kind of a vibe at the moment. And mm. uh, Dan, like, uses he, him. And I don't think I want to change that because, you know, that's, like, a representation of the pronouns I used in the past or whatever. And I still don't mind he, him pronouns. It's just something I'm testing out. But it would be nice to have a diasona that kind of represents this other side of me that I'm kind of testing out in terms of gender identity. I think that's, a, that's quite a interesting. Group. Yeah. That's really interesting, actually. I've, ne- mm. I've never really thought of that. Like, to... I'd assume if you created a character like based off yourself, you'd um, use the same pronouns you identify with. But mm-hmm. to have multiple characters inspired by yourself with different pronouns is something actually quite interesting. Yeah, be sick. I mean, again, though, I think they would have similar kind of music tastes or whatever because, like, 
you know, I can't get away from just liking all the same music, but yeah, in terms of getting different commissions, they were both like fashion and everything because that personality stays within me. But there's obviously some differentiations in terms of how I kind of present myself. Like sometimes I'm really bubbly and outgoing and I guess that's kind of Dan. But then also sometimes I'm a little quiet, just chill, laid back, and that would be more mm-hmm. whatever this dear character would be. But at the moment, I do not have the money to pay for a custom character <laughs> right now. So I will not be yeah. doing that. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone has the money in 2020. Yeah, exactly. Been, yeah, financially, been, everyone's fucked it's, over. It's been wild in. Um, yeah. So in terms of your experience with like the furry community and the furry fandom and stuff, how long have you been doing uh, anthropomorphic drawings for? Have you done many commissions as well? Uh, I've done a couple of commissions over the last couple of years. I don't. I think the amount of commissions I've done of all time can be counted on like both hands. I generally think it's like probably around eight to ten ish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's something I'm quite a perfectionist, so I don't like opening for commissions unless I'm super confident in my art abilities at, at that moment in time. Yeah. Um, and I've I've only ever advertised I've opened commissions once. Um, and I think I actually regretted it. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, it's it's quite overwhelming oh, no, because it, yeah. it does become a job. Um, and considering like how young I am and how I've got other stuff going on in my life, it almost feels like I'm working on these art pieces I don't really particularly actually want to do. For money, I don't really need. need yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. I get that because that's, I mean, I'm not going to say that's how I feel with the podcast moment because I'm loving making this podcast. Mm-hmm. But it also, it has. It, this is my first experience with doing something creative that i actually have a base startup audience for and i have to commit to it because when um i used to do like little short films and stuff obviously i would make those for my mates but they would never they would never be like oh my god this needs to come out now etc etc but i think since i have like i was looking at my stats and i'm not gonna blow my own trumpet or whatever straight away but i mean i've got like 107 i think i have 107 like individual people downloading the podcast so far and to me that's already i mean i've already only released like one episode so far because we're recording this before the second episode comes out even and like that is just like mad to me man like to have a hundred that's that's really good yeah i yeah thank you i mean um so that's why i'm kind of like it has been overwhelming a little bit because i you know i've got my university degree and i've got my retail job but at least it's something i'm kind of enjoying to create and i i love talking to like different people about this kind of community that we all have similarities to because with each person i've interviewed so far we're all like linked into the fairy community but everybody has different kind of uh attributes to the fairy community like i have artists I have musicians yeah. i have people with different backstories different i mean first three episodes because this will be the third episode that comes out we've had two australian guests we had an american guest and we had a british guest so we're already all going around the world which i'm you know and a british host and a british host exactly (laughs) exactly so yeah that's um it's super dope that i can kind of like uh interview so many different and creative people so yeah it's Mm. cool yeah i mean it's fun too it's it's something that i think is has needed to happen for a while um I mean, like we talked about how uh, there there is other furry podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting for one to have one that seems like attainable for people who aren't like pop your first status, if you yeah. get me. No, yeah, definitely. Um, and not in not in like a way to like belittle like the size of a podcast or the following of a podcast or whatever. But like when you see like um, for example, Cocodope's podcast, how mm-hmm. you know there's people like fifty thousand followers, it kind of feels a bit um, disconnected from. Mm-hmm the the common voice of the, yeah. the fandom i guess you could say um so i think i think it's a very good thing oh i appreciate it i mean one thing that i always want to keep in mind and when i was applying looking at the podcast applications i want to find a balance between you know um getting big creators on that have a big following that have a lot of experience interacting with so many different people and also people with smaller followings that are either new to the fandom or new like kind of experience and stuff etc etc so it's kind of nice to have that balance and regardless of how big this podcast gets if it ever gets like really big i will always maintain that like i promise to i promise to my listeners i will always maintain that like 100 because that's my entire point is to give everybody in the community a voice and i think that'd be a really nice thing to do as well so yeah i think that's i think that's an admiral Ad, yeah. ad, 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 admirable goal <laughs> yeah. let's um let's talk about some of your music stuff because we're on like 20 minutes yeah, sure. now so um how long because you've just said that um making music is something that you've just been doing recently well releasing music yeah. is something i've been doing recently um i've actually been making music longer uh than i've been making art oh okay enough. cool yeah um 
Well, I I started making music around 2014. Um, I pirated FL Studio, and I oh, literally I just made Same. like Kanye type beats. Oh yeah, um, sick. I st- I was I really was inspired by uh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Fucking amazing albums. Mm-hmm. I think it's still ahead of its time now, even though it came out seven years ago. Yeah. Um, like just like I mean, the songs are at yeah, crazy. Ka- Kanye himself, because I was having a um discussion with one of my flatmates about what Kanye album's the best. And um, Kanye himself in an interview said, everybody says My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is my best album, but it really isn't. It's Yeezus. It's actually Yeezus, like, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. I genuinely agree. I mean, my favorite's probably uh, Late Registration or Graduation because I'm just like, that's kind of my music. Like, I like chopped up kind of beats kind of stuff. I mean, like, I, a lot of samples and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, pre- yeah. I appreciate Yeezus. I do, and I really do like it. Like, that part in... Um, Obviously, that classic part in You Slaves is, like, fucking beautiful. And um, mm. that part in the opening track, I forgot what it's called, but... Um, but uh, I think Send It Up is the first track, isn't is it? Is it? No, I think it's um, On Sight. That's it, On Sight. On Sight, yeah. yeah. Okay, legendary song, yeah. yeah on that's Sight, such a good intro yeah. to an album, dude. When the gospel part kicks in, like, in between, I love that. Like, I love that so much. It makes me <laughs> ascend from my body. Anyway, we're going to go off of Kanye. So, Jesus inspired you to kind of create, like, music. Did you start making like abrasive beats? Because there's stuff that you've released under 33 XTC are more kind of auto-tune-y. And that, that was a question mm-hmm. I was thinking about what kind of questions I can ask with the music. Like what kind of artists inspired you to, did, or did any artists inspire you to create your current kind of type of music? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I started out with like tri- like more poppy hip-hop. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of Yeezus, a lot of uh, that fucking Kanye album with the orange cover. Uh, life the of life Pablo. of Pablo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously very influential. Yeah. I forgot the name of it, um, <laughs> but like I, I, Freestyle Four is one song in particular that the beat was like insane oh, to me. Yeah. It was one of the things I started out replicating, but eventually I got into a lot of um, like Blade, Echo, uh, Base, White yeah. Armor. Uh, generally, I, I have a playlist that has like all my music I've listened to for the last like five years. So if I comb through that, I'd definitely find like inspirations. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the moment, I'm really into that sort of like hyper pop, uh, even though I hate to use the term hyper pop, like drain gang sort of stuff at the moment. Mm. I, th- I think it'll change a lot. I think it's going to get a lot more industrial. I've recently been getting into like Arca and Sophie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah like I'm, I'm really liking Arca. Arca's mm. music production is fantastic. That's um, cool. Just so visceral and like uh, futuristic. And that's why I've actually liked coming back to uh, Yeezus. Um, I think it just sounds ahead of its time. So minimalist, yet so abrasive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's uh, definitely something I want to go for in, in yeah. the future. Uh, so you've released a two-parter song plus like three singles. And then you also have that uh, Echo 2K security with drums. Um, yeah, yeah. You, is that something... Because the three of the songs have the same album cover. Is that like a little EP? Or are you going to be adding on to that kind of release? Uh, I think that might be how... Uh, streaming services are like formatting it it's it should be my original single i released um one grand in may and then nothing and uh 19 are released on a two-track ep but i think mm. spotify split it into like three different sections yeah so i've got three songs released basically okay that's cool that's cool um fruit loops is a vibe though i um <laughs> used to oh my god i used to uh, make lo-fi. Oh my god, you make lo-fi hip hop music. I'm sure. I was I not talking to you about this? I'm probably. No, yeah, you haven't told me. That. Oh my god. So I was. Um, <laughs> I used to make cringy lo-fi hip hop music. So when I was like 16, 17, oh my god. I released an album. Um, no un- way. And un- yeah, under the alias Moogie, and it was like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> and it was like a, it was like a K-On character, some weeby shit. And uh, oh I released, God. yeah, I released an album called Insecurities with with their uh, square brackets as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't awful, but it was like, it's still I mean, you like released an album. That's yeah. pretty. That's pretty impressive on its own. Yeah, I liked it, but at the same time, like, what I did to kind of make it a little bit different, though, is you know how like classic uh, <laughs> lo-fi hip hop albums have that like sample thing where it's like sample from a film, like saying. But honey, I love him, kind of shit. Oh, like, yeah, 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 like so, classic movies. Yeah, yeah, but instead, I got my friends to read scripts, and <laughs> I sampled my friends instead. 
That is so stupid, dude. Yeah, that's amazing. No. I loved it. That though. is it's so a funny. It kind that of actually reminds me. Um, sorry, like sorry to interrupt no, you, but fine. I found on my hard drive that um, when we were in a drama in high school, we made like a short film. Um, we weren't we weren't told to like me and my friends just decided to do it, and it's like the fucking shittiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Um, like there's, there's one, there's one moment where like our school explodes and then, uh, uh, Kyoto by Young Lean starts playing and I like, I, like edited this and I was like, uh, 14 in 2015 and like it, uh, I was actually looking at the editing and I was like, dude, this is actually kind of fucking good. <laughs> but like, it's so funny. Like looking back at like my earliest stuff, like even though I, you know, it is a little bit, you know, a little fi hip hop, like album when i was 16 like kind of cringe i do kind of appreciate me making it and i mean yeah it is nice like regardless of you know getting my friends to do the samples for me a little bit like you know a little it bit adds weird. character it does it adds character and also adds you know a little bit of a personal touch like i can listen to that album yeah, and, be, and be like oh it's my friend like sing saying the script or whatever and it's just nice uh it's crazy so how with art that looking back reminds you of how you felt at the time yeah like I'm sure that when you listen to that, you you get reminded of how you felt and like the friends you had at the time it was recorded, and, and I think art's really interesting in that way because, um, you know, it's almost like a time capsule. Mm-hmm. No, that definitely. When I I don't really go back and listen to it often because you know it's kind of embarrassing, but like I I, have, <laughs> I still have it up there and it's still like listenable, but mm. it does remind me of like when I used to be really into like lo-fi hip hop, and I used to like do so much stuff with it and try and produce i mean i say produce but like all i did was like get get like lo-fi hip-hop samples and just add like a jay dilla fucking beat to it like yeah. a jay, jay dilla drum sample but it was still <laughs> enjoyable yeah exactly yeah <laughs> it was still enjoyable i guess and yeah and i mean it's very yeah. fun that's the thing like even if it even if it was like oh, I'm, i mean i'm pretty sure it was it was listenable but even if it was like fucking hot garbage you mm-hmm. had fun making it and that's that's what yeah. matters I was saying to my friend Ollie, who does music, shout Ollie, that if I ever make music again, because I brought my, you know, one of those like launch pad ass things with all the buttons. Yeah, and they're shit? expensive. Yeah, I've got one of those because I am, um, nice. when I was like 15, I was obsessed with like that um, Sean Wasabi song. Sean Wasabi. Yeah, yeah. Marble Sud and shit. So I bought one, probably used it like five times and it collects dust in my head cupboard. But now I've <laughs> brought it to uni and I was saying to my friend Ollie, I was like, if I ever make music again, or if I start making music and learn Fruit Loops, I want to make hyper pop, and I want to put, I want to make it under the alias Hyper Pop, and I think it'd be funny as fuck. <laughs> That's a good that. playlist name too. I, I bet I, if you made like a hyper pop furry playlist, um, and use Hyper Pop as a name, that'd be amazing. And I made like loads of different album art. I'll put them on the screen if you're watching on if you're watching on YouTube. I made loads of uh, album art for it, but I've had not started making music. But I like dicking about in Photoshop, so that was at least fun. So yeah, um, yeah, I, d- I did that a lot when mm. I was um, younger. I used to just make album covers. Like I'd just take pictures I found online and just like add the parental advisory and yeah. like film grain and stuff. And I think that kind of actually got me into appreciating uh, album covers. I mean, I must say, I do a lot of video editing for university, and I do a lot of video editing because post prod video editing is probably what I want to do as a career. But mm. I have kind of been ignoring like sound editing because it's not really something I need to really do with like the films I'm making and stuff. But yeah. with this podcast, it's kind of been helping me learn how to edit audio, especially, well, obviously within Audacity. And it's something, it doesn't feel like, even though if I'm thinking about it from like an academic perspective and I'm like, oh, well, I could be getting on with my assignments, but I'm doing this personal project that's not going towards my degree and I don't want to like go um be behind. But in mm. a sense, it's given me experience with like audio editing software, which is what I need for my degree anyway. So I at least yeah. take that from the podcast experience. And overall, like I'm not saying I should be doing stuff with uni all the time because I do enjoy making this podcast. So it's something I enjoy doing anyway. It's a nice little side thing. Um, yeah, that's good. I mean, yeah. I, I think I think um, all creative fields are like synoptic or synaptic, whatever the term is. Like it all, it all... Uh, changes the way you you view yourself in the world, and I feel like no matter what, that's got to be pretty constructive. Oh, definitely. Um, even even if it isn't directly c- contributing to your degree, you're still learning about media, yeah. in like even creating, mm-hmm. consuming media. Um, so I think that's that's just mm. good. Like I w- I wouldn't even worry about it. Yeah. I mean, obviously try and get your degree still. Yeah. But um, like have fun most most foremostly. Yeah. Now we're on half an hour. 
And I think I'm going to give us a little bit more time to talk about the album because I personally listened to this album regardless of... This wasn't the first time I listened to this album, so I have a lot to talk about with this album. So we will move on to the album choice of this week, which was E by Echo 2K. Okay, so, you know, Dream Gang, Dream Gang. You know, we're going to start off with that. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was fucking awful. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, you so, got to keep that. Yeah, I, I will, I'll keep it down. <laughs> I personally listen to this album anyway because uh, I listen to Dream Gang and Echo 2K stuff. I actually did start listening to um, Echo 2K from my girlfriend's course mates. Shout out to... Um, the cryptids that's what that's our little our little group's called the cryptids i actually put a tweet out today about being on their podcast the cryptid cast talking about perfect blue and uh, gremlins if you guys want to check that out you know i'll put a link in the description that's a little plug but anyway i learned about great drain gang and that through them and yeah. uh i think i learned about 100 gex through them as well and it was a completely new when i first listened to gex i was like oh this is awful and then when i first listened to drain gang i was like eh, it's not really i know it's like nice rap but it's all it's like not really my thing but now I like actively listen to all of them. I am a basic Drain Gang fan. Where I'm like, "Be Nice to Me" is my favorite song out of like all of Drain Gang. But I mean, it's a good song, and um, I would say it's probably my favorite because uh, it was my most listened to song on my Spotify Wrapped, and I listened to it a total of like 204 times or some shit. Jesus yeah, Christ! Dude. It was like anyway. Uh, so I forgot this, but basically Drain Gang, if you don't know, are like a Swedish rap collective consistent of like Blade, Echo 2K, Tyboy Digital, um, et cetera, et cetera. And Echo 2K is one of those which release E. So I'll let you, I'll pass it over to you because I've talked about a lot of Drain Gang shit now, just kind of establishing how I learned about Drain Gang and what I think mm-hmm. of it. What did you think of this album and why did you specifically choose it? Um, well, I think I specifically chose this album because it was my most listened to album this year mm-hmm. and i feel like um this year's been incredibly formative uh, yeah. for a lot of people including myself um i think i've i'm definitely not even the same person that i was in like january mm-hmm. um and i feel like this this album is like almost uh, not guided me because that sounds like i'm a fucking loser but like <laughs> he- like helped me over the last few months yeah. like I, like it's it's nice to listen to and be reminded that um people share the same struggles and same feelings as you yeah. but also just from like a uh i guess more objective viewpoint and like a producer's ear i just love the sound design production aesthetic like sonic qualities of the album i think it's like just uh, the best way i've heard someone describe it is it sounds shy and muffled yet still 4k widescreen and i just think that's such a good way uh to yeah, like label the album that, i totally get that i think that's something that we were talking about just briefly when um in a previous kind of um discord call but i definitely get that and it gives me like weird kind of nos- not not mm, nostalgic I, I guess a little bit but I, i'd say so yeah. specifically with the kind of um track cc the start of cc with that little like melody thing at the start mm-hmm. it makes me feel like i'm like starting up like a ps2 or some shit do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, totally. And it's yeah. weird, and it just kind of makes me feel, like, comforted, yet, you know, like, kind of, you know, I don't know. It's, yeah, just, it's really comforting. It's nice. Especially, um, obviously, Fruit Bleed Juice is also quite, like, a psychedelic, electronic kind of piece. And before mm-hmm. that, it's Bliss Fields, which is, like, I was literally re-listening <laughs> to this, and I turned to Amy, my girlfriend, and I went, this is just so relaxing. Like, do you know, the way... The way really? Echo, you get, the, like, a relaxing vibe from it. The way Echo speaks... Is just like lovely because that's like it's Blissfield's the one that he's like just going like yeah Blissfield's like the monologue he's like yeah. I'm floating or whatever the fuck <laughs> and it's just like Edwards. nice yeah, yeah and he has a, he has like a lisp yeah I think it's I don't know, really I, th- nice. I think the album's really intense that, oh, that's really? weird that you, like well like not weird but like interesting that you say it's really comforting because for me it almost sounds like manic mm-hmm. um and I, I guess that's the, you know music is subjective so mm-hmm. we hear what like what we yeah what we want basically um. But I, I totally get what you're saying of like the the sort of like Y2K like mid 2000s kind of sound, yeah. especially with songs like Peroxide. Peroxide. Yeah. Um, it sounds like a like a Y2K like Kylie Minogue pop song like mixed with modern trap, mm-hmm. um, with like a new 
industrial aesthetic and i just i just think that's so fucking cool i mean i definitely get the kind of manic vibes from blue eyes the closing track yeah definitely because he's like essentially like screaming and shit and you've got like like really really abrasive electronic sounds and Mm. i like that though i like that it's it's solid Uh, i would say my favorite on the album is definitely calcium i love calcium a lot um i think that's a fantastic song the, the flow on it's really nice it just like kind of the um just the the melody and stuff and also the mm-hmm. there's that remix that is it the show me love remix and it's yeah re- the house remix it fu- it fucks it's so good <laughs> like, i fuck with it so much it's so dope i love that oh, yeah so i listen much. to that remix a lot yeah. i think echo uh reposted that mm-hmm. on either on soundcloud or on twitter uh that's how i found it because it has like a, a couple hundred thousand listens i think that's so cool what would yeah, you say is your favorite song in the album uh, I really like Proxide. I think Proxide mm-hmm. was my Spotify most listened to song this year. Okay, cool. Um, I just, I just think it's it's a fantastic song. Um, mm-hmm. I like the lyrics. I like the production. I like the the contextual background of the song. I really like Calcium. I think mm-hmm. Calcium is a fantastic example of songwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, it just works as like an anti-pop song. Yeah. Um, I I definitely categorize it like mainly as electronic, but I'd actually call it like anti-pop. It's got all the properties, the properties, pun intended, um, <laughs> that like pop music has, but in yeah. a twisted sort of way. No, I, um, I yeah. think that's really interesting. Definitely. And when it comes to like peroxide, going into the lyrics, obviously it's about Echo himself, like growing up as like a black man in Sweden, which is mm-hmm. like a really interesting kind of uh, take on a personal connection with the song as well. So that's nice. Yeah. Um, I think you can also kind of take the meaning out. like nobody nobody knows about like Echo's sexuality because he keeps it like to himself mm-hmm. but definitely as someone who uh, grew up being like quite feminine and mm-hmm. flamboyant yeah you can all you can relate to it in the same way even it might not be directly the same um, you can definitely still draw comparisons uh, like you know it's the way I walk the way I talk stuff like that mm-hmm. um, and I, I really I really like that song that's a really nice song um i would say one one issue i had with the album is i would say triple a power line was like it's a nice song it's relaxing but it's like too long and repetitive like yeah it's it's repetitive yeah and i mean i understand it's like an intro etc but i can't imagine this is another thing i have with the album i mean this isn't a bad thing i guess but uh i would say i would I, apart from like calcium and peroxide i can't see myself in maybe security I can't see myself listening to any other song in this album unless I was listening to the record back and forth. But then back to mm. back and forth, back to front. But essentially at the same time, if I'm going to put this album on, I've listened to this album like multiple times. I always listen to it back to front with no like skips. Like, cause it's, I feel it's an experience. And when sa- you say back to front, do you mean the last track to the first track or? I mean front to back, my bad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that's I a really buy- No, it's a different way I'm going to do it in reverse, dog. No, I just mean... Back people do like... that. People... I think there's... I can't remember which album it is. Um, it might be To Pimp a Butterfly or something. Mm-hmm. But some people... No, I mean, obviously, it's not that one. It's it's a big album, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people listen to it backwards because apparently it's designed to be listened that way. Oh, I'm not sure what album it is, though. But yeah. at the same time, something like... Maybe not as much as E, but one of my favorite albums of all time, Frank Ocean's Blonde. That is another mm-hmm. album that's like... It's my favorite album of all time, but I still can't see listening to specific songs on the record without listening yeah. to the entire thing back to front. But mm. uh, at the same time, like it doesn't make anything it bad in a sense. It kind of just emphasizes that the album itself is an experience that you have to listen to like fully, rather than some specific songs. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's like a movie. Mm-hmm. Like if you just took like an out, for example, because we're going to talk about American Psycho in a minute, mm-hmm. if you just took like a random dialogue scene out of American Psycho, you know, you can't just watch it and be like, wow, that was cool. But yeah. with the context of the rest of a movie and the other scenes, it adds to it. Even though nothing, I mean, I think American Psycho is a bad example because that entire movie is fucking amazing. Yeah. But, you know, you've got to have the <laughs> slow moments that yeah. you wouldn't listen to normally to have like the big moments. It mm-hmm. all makes sense in like the long run. Something I realized that um kind of made me think a bit was on twitter a lot of people post topsters and stuff mm-hmm. and i feel like e is the album that's on a lot of people's topsters but i wouldn't like say it's like one of the best records ever but obviously you chose it so is it is it would you say it's one of your favorite albums and would you put it on a top do you know what a topster is would, yeah yeah, 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 yeah would you would it put would you put it on your topster in a sense 
Well, I don't have a topster, so I wouldn't be able to put. I wouldn't be able to put it on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. I I this I have like quite a critical viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like I like listing things. What I would consider an album to be objectively good or subjectively good. Yeah. Um, subjectively, is a very important album to me. I really like it, but objectively, it isn't like anything that deserves to be like top five albums I've ever listened to. No, yeah. If you okay. get me. I mean, I haven't listened to very many albums, so I probably would put it in my top five anyway. But I I don't know. I, I guess it just appeals to a lot of people. It's new. It's interesting. Um, it's experimental to a degree. Uh, and especially on Twitter, I think it kind of um, appeals to that sort of audience. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's why so many people have it in their topsters. Yeah, going back to that thing you were saying about the 4K TV, like describing the album, it does kind of give that off in the album art as well i would say mm. and it does feel very minimalist but also not minimalist at the same time it's so weird to like i can't describe it like i can't describe it fully that what i would say is listen hopefully you've listened to the album before you know watching uh, the episode because you know you can kind of get engaged in the conversation more but you'll understand if you've listened to the record that that is the kind of i, I can't describe it but once you listen to the album you will you will know what i mean by it being minimalist, but also not minimalist at the same time. Like, it's super weird, but I like it. I it's something unique. It's probably because it's it's quite enigmatic because um, it's only two colours. It's white and black. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no yeah. other colours in between. But the uh, the typefaces it use, uses, like, and, like, we link to an idea of the 2000s and, like, the digital era. Like, yeah. um, this is me going into, like, my illustration brain, but, like, the E on the... Um, uh, the front cover, the massive E, what the album's named after, is just the, I think it's, I believe it's the estimated sign, mm-hmm. um, which is on like all products. On products from, like, and stuff, yeah. Yeah. So uh, immediately that links to consumerism uh, and industrialism. And then the font around the outside, all being in like lowercase, is Times New Roman, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, which is the default uh, font, I believe, Microsoft Word uses and a lot of websites in the early 2000s mm-hmm. used. So it, it's really interesting how by only using two typefaces, Echo kind of evokes that idea of, mm-hmm. you know, futurism, uh, digital spaces, consumerism, industrialization. Yeah. I think it's, it's just a really nicely wrapped mm-hmm. album. I don't know why it reminds me of this. It's I guess it's just something that I like associate with the early 2000s because the entire roller coaster ride gives off early 2005 because that's when it was made. This is one for UK people, by the way. Like, <laughs> Do you know like Oblivion at Alton Towers? I, I always do, used to hear people talk about that. I do not. I, I, I've never been a roller coaster guy though, so I'll, you know I'll search it. But it's just like it is. It's like one of the big attractions on towers. But it like when you go on it, it, it was obviously built in the early two thousands. So all the TVs at the like queue line that like, you have to watch all like CRTs and like everything's Whoa. really like run. Well, it's not like run down, but everything's old. It's got like an old aesthetic to it. Like the type, it has that like Half Life two. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like yeah. an early two thousands kind of look, and. That that kind of goes goes in the pile with E, where it's like Y two K feel indefinitely, and it's just and it's cool. Wow. I like it. Well, I'm looking at pictures of it in Google Images, and it's like it looks like it's designed like a sewage plant. Mm-hmm. Like there's like big pipes and like yeah. reeds and stuff, but it's got that industrial look, and I I totally see what you mean. Like the, the accent color here, it's all like grays and browns, but then like a bright orange. Orange, yeah. That's really cool. I really like that actually. Mm-hmm. But I, I totally get what you're saying. How that like is reminiscent of that like Y2K sort of industrial feeling. It reminds me of magazines, mm-hmm. like like fashion, like high fashion magazines from like 2006. Yeah. Which is a <laughs> super obscure thing to say, but that's that's the that's the vibe I get no, yeah. from the album. And it and this uh, roller coaster. And definitely, again, kind of having something so specific goes to show that different art forms like albums like i wouldn't say to me personally it links to to early 2000s fashion magazines but you it does and i do find that really interesting that we as people personally link other things to other things and i think there's like some sort of i think there's like a theory name for it or some shit but i don't know what it is but everybody kind of links things that aren't supposed to be linked together but they like kind of feel the same like semiotics yeah there's definitely something that because there's definitely some theory about it but it is really interesting and overall i did really enjoy listening to this album i mean obviously because it's Mm -hmm. stuff i listen to anyway uh what do you think of kind of going off topic like what do you think of uh trash island because Trash Island's another... Uh, it's like a Blade and Echo 2K uh, album. Yeah, I th- I'd consider it like a whole Drain Gang mixtape. Yeah, because Tybo um, Digital's on it as well, and Young Lean Futures as well. Yeah. Technically, actually, Young Lean isn't a uh, a member he's of... Not, he's not a DG member, yeah. is he? Because he's not a Drain Gang member. 
I don't know. It does. It, it, who fucking cares? It's all the same thing in me. <laughs> it's true. It's like all sort um, I I love that album because that came out in a really important time of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't get into details, but basically, I definitely have a personal connection to that album, particularly the songs uh, "One to One." Oh, one. And, yeah, one um, ones. Victim, dude. Victim's such a mm-hmm. good song. Uh, one to one, so simple, so intimate, yeah. so warm. It's such a that lovely opening because it starts with a boom, boom, boom. And it's like that, yeah, that, that like yeah, yeah, lovely White start. Armor. Yeah, then um, I mean, I love Western Union. It's just a, it's just a fucking bop. Like Western Union is just a bop. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I think that's Echo's most uh, most streamed song. It is. Yeah, I'm checking this page yeah. now. It is. You said you said you weren't that big of a fan of Pollen, which is his latest release. Did, did you? Did, I love it. Yeah. I personally love it, but I think it's just because I like. I don't because obviously I know I was talking about how Peroxide has lyrics about you know echo like growing up as a black man in sweden but that's mm. just something i've learned from like my friends and stuff because i i'm very like i don't listen to lyrics at all and i usually <laughs> get them wrong so since like pollen's the entirely in swedish i don't really mind that i just i'm just mm. like it sounds nice in my ears so it's a vibe and i like it well I personally i just think it sounds like a worse version of the song you released earlier this year high fever which i think high fever is a great song um but Poland just doesn't hit for me. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's boring, to be honest. I mean, gonna be um, yeah, gonna be covering a lot of Drain Gang on the podcast, guys. Because in a few weeks' time, I'm gonna be discussing a little uh, insight. I'm gonna be talking about a Blade album, but I'm not gonna be. I'm gonna, not gonna say which Blade I'm gonna be talking ooh. about. But uh, I'm very excited to talk about that with the guest. So a lot of you have. Let me guess. Is it is it free free free? It is not free free free. But I'm not saying anything oh. else. I'm not saying anything else. I can't. Okay, I can't okay, spoil it. I can't spoil it. But free 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 is a good album. But a lot of people have, I'm loving how diverse all of the kind of submissions are with the podcast. Um, Obviously, you've got two Drain Gang things, but I mean, I love Drain Gang, so I was like, I'm not turning that down. But Mm -hmm. it's nice, and it's introducing me to new music, and uh, similar to kind of listening to new music, obviously, I listened to E before, but now that I have listened to it for a a few more times... I did think about it more because it was nice, but then I thought about kind of the undertones and the lyrics, etc. Because I was like, right, I'm going to be discussing this. So I need to like focus on it, and that is also nice that I found like newfound meaning behind the record that I wouldn't normally do because I'm talking about it on the show, which is nice as well. Mm. And uh, I, yeah. I think it's kind of like, and sorry to interrupt again, no, it's fine, it's fine. but I, I think it's crazy that like you, you said you don't listen to the lyrics when you listen to music. Mm-hmm. No, it's just like I do, I Why? do, I do in a sense. I don't know. It's just something I don't really focus on i mean if i listen to a song enough like for example like frank ocean's blonde like i can like recite the lyrics for that and i can recite mm. the lyrics for a lot of like catchy lyrics but it's something that like sometimes when i like sing lyrics to my friends i'll sing lyrics and they'll be like that's the wrong lyrics you know like he's not saying that and i'm like what because i just don't you realize. just like heard it wrong yeah I well, don't you just got like your that. own interpretation I guess. yeah i don't realize that as well it's interesting uh but it's it, um it is intriguing i think we're gonna move on now because we're on like 50 almost 50 minutes but yeah, cool. to link to that, I've uh, like I found new found kind of connections with the album. I've also rewatched the film that we're going to be discussing because I've already watched it before. But obviously, rewatched for the podcast. In the film was American Psycho, directed by Mary Harron. Okay, so I love this film. I watched it a few, probably like a month ago, because again, this is so weird. Um, this is what I, I was saying this to you. My my group of friends that also like E and Drain Gang also really like American Psycho. So when I showed <laughs> when I showed your application to them, they were like, "You need to have this guy on the show. Like, those are based as fuck choices." So I was like, okay, because they were the people who told me to watch American Psycho as well, because they always used to put like fucking Patrick Bateman memes in the chat, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, well, I uh, yeah. So I subjected myself to it. Very intriguing <laughs> film. Very. I mean, I say subjective, yeah. but I overall, I fucking loved it. It's fantastic. And rewatching it, amazing. Film. Um, got me thinking about it in a bigger light, completely. But you know, this is your choice. So why did you choose this uh, film specifically? Um. Well, this film is like I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really a film person. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm really interested in film and I really like film, but I never go out of my way to watch films. It's very rare that I actually watch a film. Um, but with American Psycho, I've watched it about five times, I believe, 
Uh, and I just, I just think it's perfect. Like I have no critiques of it. Um, one thing that I'm super interested in, in like life and something I think about a lot is narcissism. And this movie is about narcissism, like at its core, mm. uh, the way the characters like interact with each other, the, the world, um, Patrick Bateman and the way Christian Bale portrays him, in my opinion, is one of the best performances of an actor like ever, apart from like um, the Terminator 2, you know, the T-1000. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, he's like that level of acting is something I really respect yeah. and enjoy. Um, yeah. When when literally everything about the character is, you know, portrayed by an actor, the way they blink, the way they look around a room is purposeful. Uh, I love shit like that. I, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, crit, like Patrick Bateman, Christian Bale, fantastic. You f- mm-hmm. obviously everybody's like, oh, you feel like they're the character, but this is different. Like, you really feel like Christian Bale is Patrick Bateman, and it's this yeah. psychotic like businessman. And at the same time, I do feel like this is kind of supported by the character itself. Christian, I mean, sorry, Patrick Bateman has a very like set routine on his kind of self-image and the <laughs> stuff he does. And it's very kind of routine and specific. And I think that's kind of really easy to present as like a person, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's hard, it's hard to One explain. One thing that yeah. I've heard really interesting is somebody said Patrick Bateman's morning routine sounds like every instagram and social media influencer (laughs) but it's so true it's it's scary like this film was was made and now almost unironically there's there's people who who actually are like this like this isn't a like this is a fictional character who is real like there are people that exist that are exactly like patrick bateman and they're out there i mean this isn't even you wouldn't know and this isn't even a like a representation because and being inspired by that because this film came out in 2000 this is before the wave of social media popularity and, and Instagram mm-hmm. influences. But it's because Patrick it Bateman them. is so bothered about his self-image as a person and his role in society with his Wall Street, you know, fucking, you know, business shit. Mm-hmm. But obviously you've got the overarching focus of the film, which is the fact that he murders people. people. He's an American psycho. He's an American psycho. <laughs> so as the film goes, hopefully you've uh, watched the film before the podcast, but spoilers if you haven't. Um, American Psycho is about this man who basically goes insane. And I mean, that is subjective in a sense. I would that say he's always been insane. He's always been insane. Yeah, he's always been insane. He's always been insane. And I mean, having such a specific routine is like, psychopathic i think i mean obviously that's kind of me <laughs> ripping on people who have very specific morning routines <laughs> a little bit but you know it's the way that patrick bateman says stuff like the narration in how he presents his morning routine at the start is you already know there's something fucking sus about this character like fully well the first the first line of the film before he introduces himself he starts the film by saying i live like the there's the cinematic the cinematic intro and then he says, I live in the Western Gardens building. My name is Patrick Bateman. He introduces where he lives before he introduces himself because yeah. he's so obsessed with how people see, see him. him. Yeah. Like tiny details like that, dude. Fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's how smug uh, when the Willem Dafoe's character, the detective, like says, well, where do you live? Like, what's your address? And then Patrick yeah. Bateman says his address. He's like, oh, that's nice. And like this smug, <laughs> his smug fucking face, Patrick Bateman's face yeah. is like, yeah, nice. Like, Fill my ego, fill my ego. Really interesting fact about Willem Dafoe's character, actually, is the director um, got Willem Dafoe to film his scenes three times. One, uh, thinking, like, one acting as if he was totally clueless. One, if he uh, was on to Patrick Bateman and mm. knew he was a killer. Or three, as if he thought that Patrick Bateman was completely innocent. And then they randomly spliced the three takes together. So, you like, you can't figure out what the detective is thinking. That's so interesting. Yeah, really interesting. That's really, really cool. And it's it's fantastic. So many tiny details. Yeah, it's fantastic that um, they've added that much kind of detail and thought behind all the shots and the characters and stuff. I yeah. mean, especially with the entire situation around the killings. Because I didn't realise this at first, that if he, whether he did them or not was controversial. Because that's how, why the ending confused me. Because I was like, did people... Did, did the director just not witness the entire film when they made the ending? <laughs> like... Have they not just seen that he's killed so many people? So basically, if you guys don't know, um, 
obviously he goes around killing people in the main murder that like the detectives solving is the murder or the disappearance of Paul Allen, which was somebody that Patrick Bateman worked with. And everybody, um, basically Patrick Bateman said, oh, I'm sending him off to London uh, by packing his bags. But once he murdered him and hid the body, well, murdered him in quotation marks because it's controversial whether you murdered him or not. Um, he packed his, uh, he packed a suitcase and left the thing on the answering machine, like pretending that he like was in London. But then at the end of the film, when we ask, um, when Patrick Bateman's like asking the lawyer, because this is when he went insane, he kind of wants to confess to the killings, etc. Uh, he goes to his lawyer and goes like, "Oh well, I killed Paul Allen," and then his lawyer's like, "That can't be true because Paul Allen's in London," and that's what kind of yeah. think, makes you think. Because at first it's kind of alluded with the detective um, story, etc., that um, somebody might have spotted him in London and Miss kind of spotted him because the every character gets confused yeah, for one confused another. one another and uh, i think in one of the like interviews um the detective goes yeah we thought we found him in london but it was actually somebody else so it was a false alarm but <laughs> basically there's a theory that it's basically all in patrick bateman's head he didn't actually kill paul allen and he probably knew about paul allen going to london beforehand anyway and just pretended in his head that he murdered him and then sent like a fake thing off to you know London and then at the end of the film it's Patrick Bateman realizing that it's all in his head in that he actually is in London etc anyway I've talked a shit ton but it is really hard <laughs> to kind of like explain this film yeah. as well it's but... it's one of those things you have to watch before yeah. like if some someone can't really explain it to you you have to watch it to get the context yeah. anyway, but I think yeah. another really interesting um take is that Patrick Bateman did kill someone uh but it wasn't Paul Allen and he is just ironically how people mistake him for for example marcus halberstram Marcus Halberstein, yeah. he's just uh it's ex- he's just mistaken some random dude for paul allen mm-hmm. that's yeah. it, so many interpretations uh, yeah. of how the film actually plays out you know there's the interpretation that he didn't kill him but he did kill paul allen but nobody cares and or notices um that he didn't kill paul allen and mm-hmm. killed someone else like such such a rich like mm-hmm. film to to draw conclusions from i personally think like with my theory i think i'm in the middle I think he murdered people, but he only imagined murdering Paul Allen because that's what he desired to do. He desired to murder yeah. somebody who belittles his image because obviously for the entire thing, Paul Allen thinks he's Marcus Halberstam or whatever. It were while they're having like a restaurant thing. And he's like, oh, that Patrick Bateman guy's a fucking loser. And then like Patrick <laughs> Bateman's like sat there like, nah, he fucking my self-image. So he wishes that he like fucking murdered him, but it didn't actually happen. Because um, Paul Allen's somebody that kind of challenges Patrick Bateman's kind of sense of dominance in the film as well. Because there's that example, right? I think a perfect example of how it's all in his head is that shot with the police cars in him with the how gun. How it just explodes. How the fuck does that just happen? Like, come on. Yeah, or the, uh, the ATM tells him to feed it a straight feed cat. Feed it a straight cat. I gotta say, yeah. right, that scene, I know that's supposed to be a serious scene, but right, right. <laughs> The fucking old lady looks so dumb in it. Like, so dumb. <laughs> and, like, her death face is so stupid. So I just, like, creased it. It was dumb. Um, Dude, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't I didn't know what I think of how, um, like, what actually happened. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I'd like to think that it's as the film told it. Like, the film is exactly how it happened. Mm-hmm. I think that he did kill um, Paul Allen um but then again i don't know there's so many ways you can interpret it i don't think there's supposed to be like a true ending yeah but i think that's fantastic and i've been talking about this with other films that i've been watching such as um when i was discussing cryptic cast cryptic cast when i was discussing perfect blue on cryptic cast with my friends that my favorite film of all time perfect blue it's the ending's open to interpretation and i Mm -hmm. there's there's two ways you can go by that because there is the risk of having it too confusing where you end up getting, you know, not having an enjoyable experience for the audience. But there's films like American Psycho and, uh, for example, one of my favorite animated films ever, besides from Perfect Blue, uh, The End of Evangelion, where I can come back to that film because I'm intrigued and I want to learn more and I want to think more about it. Because it's not bad to have a film open to interpretation, but it needs to have an enjoyable open to interpretation. It's a bit of a weird way to put it, but yeah, I, no, I, I actively wanted to rewatch this film because I knew it confused me when I first watched it. And I was like, I want to understand this film more. So I'm going to watch it again for the podcast. Yeah. I think the first time I watched it, I think I felt really underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I remember I saw the ending. I was like, dude, that sucks. 
And then, then I then I looked looked at the scenes. I was like, I guess I'll go look at the scene where he chases a woman with a chainsaw while he's naked. Mm-hmm. And then I look in the comments, and I, people start like questioning the the plot threads. Like, you know, surely if this is real life, someone would answer the door. And then somebody reboots. Reboot, I, I can't fucking speak English, dude. <laughs> like, oh, maybe because nobody cares. Like, everyone who lives in this apartment complex is just as conceited. Mm-hmm. And then you start thinking, oh, this actually this is actually quite a deep film. Yeah. I um there's this funny trivia about that scene that I saw, I think it was on IMDb. It was in between scenes of that chainsaw part, uh Patrick Bateman would just chill around. Well, not Patrick Bateman, but Christian Bale would just chill around with a fucking sock on his dick and with tennis <laughs> shoes on and just vibe because he just couldn't be asked to keep getting changed and unchanged, so he just like just put his sock on his dick. <laughs> it probably helps him stay in character too. I mean, yeah, exactly. Because like, he's like I've heard Christian Bale is nuts. Really? Like he's, no. I mean, I think to be to be that level of actor, you have to be like, oh yeah, you know, in the deep end. Yeah, and I mean, it goes back to what I was saying before about how you don't feel like it's Christian Bale. You feel like this is yeah. Patrick Bateman's story. This is a psychotic man that we're experiencing. I mean, to be fair, it kind of. I think that American Psycho is probably Christian Bale's like biggest film, and I guess that kind of helps it a little bit. But at the same time, like it does. What do you mean feel, biggest? I mean, just like kind of most successful film, I would say. He was in Batman. Was he? Yeah, he's dude. He's Batman in the Batman trilogy, like Batman Begins. Oh shit! He fuck yeah, he's he's the Dark, he's Dark Knight. Knight. Dude. Oh shit! He's um yeah. Oh, I'm he's gonna in, get ripped uh... to shreds for that. <laughs> you know, I haven't actually right. This is, but I haven't actually seen any Batman films. I'm not a superhero person, like at all. That's fair. Um, I mean, they all kind of suck. Dark Knight. Uh, the second one, I don't fucking know what the tagline is. That's that's a classic film. Like that's one of the best films of all time. Um, but like the first one and the third one are shit. I mean, I know I know um, of Dark Knight because obviously Dark Knight was directed by Christopher Nolan, wasn't it? So yeah, and that was uh Jared. No, not Jared. Uh, Heath Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger was that was Joker, Heath Ledger yeah. Joker. Yeah. yeah, who's like that's his like one of the most critically acclaimed roles ever. Yeah. Um, Christian Bale was also in The Machinist. Oh, cool. Very, very good. Fi- Another one of those like mind fuck, like twist ending psychological thriller sort of films. Mm-hmm. He lost tons of weight for that. That's mad. Um, yeah, he went like anorexic mode. That's like mad. seriously, like vis- like visible rib cage and stuff. Um, That's insane. Like, yeah, really good film as well. I'd recommend watching that. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, if he's playing such as a big thing as big characters, Batman, you know that he can get into the mind of a character that he's playing, which is obviously kind of what's yeah. shown very clearly in American Psycho. It's well, it's mm-hmm. like one thing I've heard about is is like sorry to interrupt no, again. No, no, it's fine, it's fine. But um, one thing I've heard about like his body, like in American Psycho, he had he had to have like the perfect supermodel body, mm-hmm. like with the the six pack and everything. His next role was the Machinist, where he like he ate an apple a day or something that's mad um he went yeah if you like search it for machinist you'll see how skinny he was it's like horrendous mm-hmm. um and then in two months or something he had to bulk up for batman and he said that um every day he would get an entire like two liter tub of ice cream melt it and then drink it just to get the amount of calories and he obviously used like steroids as well but the the amount of like t- turmoil has put his body through is insane that's fucked though i mean yeah easily my favorite actor yeah, that's so sick though. That's a yeah. I mean, it's a bit it's a bit like a bit controversial in terms of like how actors are kind of um threat in Hollywood. But I mean, if you want the role, I mean if the one in this the role's gonna be like that and you want somebody to be that and they're happy doing that, then I guess it's okay. But Yeah, well he said that um he if he'll never nobody's ever told him to do that. Mm-hmm. He he chooses to do that. Oh, okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's, I mean, like you, you can't tell someone like, oh, can you just lose like forty kilos? Yeah, that, that's fucked, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's just dedication to the character. We're like, we're on like a hour five, so I just want to kind of go through some quick things about um, American Psycho, just kind of like, yeah, cool. Base attributes. It's shot really nicely. I love yeah. how it's shot. Um, lovely scene, obviously, with the Paul Allen section in the music score as well that you've got. Kind of, you know, obviously suspenseful music, but also 80s. I, yeah, I love the way that the music that Patrick Bateman shares is contrasting to the psychotic character, like Hip to be Square. <laughs> like Hip to be Square is such a, you know, poppy, you know, innocent song. And it contrasts with this like kind of psychotic energy. And I love that like so much. I think it's so cool. Well, it's like he says, it's uh, not only an important statement about the, uh, the integrity of a band, mm-hmm. but the, uh, importance of conformity. conformity and then he says hey paul, hey, paul and fucking, fucking destroys it. 
And then it's like Amazing. That, that's a classic, like that's a classic line. That's a classic scene. Yeah. There's so many classic things in the in the film. Definitely, I I loved it. I really really enjoyed it. So th- thank you very much. Fantastic pick. Yeah, no problem. Um, trying to think if there's anything else I need to say about the film. Um, I think again, like a gripe because I get I gave this a four stars, and I mean I think I mean eight out of ten out still of a five? fantastic. Yeah, that's still like a fantastic yeah. rate, really, like a four like four out of five. Mm. Um. I would say like a gripe. Sometimes it was a little bit slow paced because it's like almost. Is it like two hours long? It's like an hour and four. Yeah, I, I can I can get that. It's a little paced, bit yeah. slow paced at times, but I mean, I think it picks up very quickly. Like as soon as the Paul Allen thing starts, that's when it kind of generates a bit. But also at the same time, kind of to play devil's advocate on my own opinion, I think uh, it's it adamant to know how he acts around other people and how his co-workers act around him in order to kind of establish his character yeah. so like every scene is necessary yeah so even if it's a bit slow, slow. um I, every scene is definitely necessary half and half. also fuck the fact that he killed the dog man that's that shit fuck yeah me. dude it's mad and he's like you should get a job al <laughs> we just have nothing in common dude me and my friends quote that scene so all the time <laughs> But yeah, very, very good film. Very good pick. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely recommend. If you're listening, uh, stream American Psycho. Psycho. It's on Netflix, especially. Well, it's on Netflix in the UK. Is anyway. it? Yeah, that's how I watched it. So Pirates it. This is, this is the, the podcast advocating <clears throat> piracy. No, no, no. We're not, advo- <laughs> we're not advocating piracy, dog. But I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not saying pirate, but I mean, I don't know. It's like, if you, I mean, if you need to do that to kind of experience this masterpiece, then definitely don't do it, guys. You know, definitely don't. Yeah, but for real, podcast does not advocate for piracy. <laughs> do not do not, pirate don't this film. Pirate this film. You do not get... download uTorrent. Do not download BitTorrent. You would do not, not find a stream. You would never. And do not download it and seed it to. You people. wouldn't steal a television. Piracy is a crime. Can you remember those fucking adverts? That was so dope. Yeah, yeah. It was so iconic. I, I started collecting VHS tapes and like, they're on like the start of some of my VHS tapes. I'm like, oh, they're I fucking cool. remember that shit. Yeah, th- they're cool adverts. I think American Psycho, because Amer- if American Psycho was made in 2000, then there might be a VHS of it. So I might get the VHS of it because I think it'd be- Well, he that. has to go return some videotapes. So yeah, he does, yeah. It's got to be on a VHS. It is, but I'm going to assume- Oh, it's, it's not too bad. It's for like three quid. That's not too bad. That's really good. That's really good. That's yeah. probably cheaper than the DVD, yeah. like CX. Well, I'm trying to look for it, um, one of the films I watched for the podcast, Punch Drunk Love, which was incredible, like fucking incredible film. Oh, I've never uh, heard of it. Yo, it's by um, the director Paul Thomas Anderson, who's like quite well known, and it's an Adam Sandler film, but it's a serious Adam <laughs> Sandler film. I know okay, you like okay. la- laughy shit, but I totally get that as well because <laughs> it is. It's Adam Sandler, like Happy Gilmore shit, but um, obviously he released Uncut Gems. But I think this is a better serious role with Unc- uh, wow, than Uncut Gems. Wow, really? Yeah, it's very very good. But I mean, people usually chop and change which one's the best. Most people say Uncut Gems, but I think I, ha- I, have, I haven't yeah. watched it, but I've heard really good things about Adam Sandler in that film. Yeah, so definitely. Um, cool. I mean, we're on an hour and uh, almost an hour and ten now, so that was fantastic. Yeah. Great episode. <laughs> uh, just to kind of go through some stuff, definitely check out Thirty Three XDC shit. Um, kind of, I'll link his Twitter in the description along with his SoundCloud. Uh, you can kind of look at his illust art on Twitter, and then obviously his music on SoundCloud and stuff. Um, if you want to kind of follow the podcast, you've got um, if you watch on YouTube, just make sure to subscribe. Uh, if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can kind of follow to make sure you get a notification when the next episode's on. I try and upload every Friday at 8 o'clock GMT. So I don't know what time that is for you. You'll have to look it up. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. And I really, really enjoyed talking about all this stuff. So thank you so much uh, for coming Yeah, thank on. you for having very, me on. It's very been good, fun. Very it's been good interesting. Picks. Cool. Thank you very much, guys. And I will see you guys next week. See you Goodbye. later.